0: The Big Ten tournament has begun, and already one of the Big Ten bubble teams could have cost themselves their NCAA tournament bid. You are locked on Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, I'm Nate Dickinson. Thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. And thanks for making the show your first listen every single weekday. Be sure to follow along wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube and on Twitter, too. It's at Locked On Big Ten. One zero at the end when you're typing it out, not T-E-N. I'm Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports on Twitter. And coming up on today's show, we're going to get into, with John Garcia Jr. later on, Purdue's latest quarterback commit. They've got their guy for the 2024 class, a four-star recruit, And we'll talk more about how the quarterbacks are going at Purdue as of late. That's coming up in just a minute. But first, let's get into the top of things at the Big Ten Tournament. The bottom four seeds in the regular season facing off yesterday. And we already got ourselves an upset that could cost a team a tournament bid. That being the Wisconsin Badgers losing to the Ohio State Buckeyes over the course of yesterday's matchup. It was a 13-12 upset as far as what happened on the actual seedings, but this game was one in which Ohio State just looked better and played better throughout most of it. Buckeyes had been hot as of late, Continue that hot streak by beating a Wisconsin team that really just didn't have it. The Badgers shoot 35% from the field, just 18% from three. And they can't really take advantage of some of the other opportunities they had because of that. Uh, 15 offensive rebounds for this Badgers team in this game. A 16 to 10 turnover advantage in favor of the Badgers too. But they really just didn't show up. But Tyler Wall was the only guy who had a really, really good game. uh, 19 points, 10 rebounds to go with it too. Badgers just came out of the gates terrible. Really, really bad. Only scored 18 points in that first half and end up taking a 36-18 to deficit into the locker rooms. Now, give the Badgers credit, they fought to get back into this game and were as close as four points with about a minute to play. But then they didn't score another point the rest of the way. There were a lot of situations like that where it seemed like Wisconsin had a chance to win the game and just didn't execute. And as a result, it could cost them their NCAA tournament bid. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to happen on Selection Sunday, but I do know that as of right now, according to a bracket matrix, which we'll get into in just a minute, Wisconsin appears in only 45 of 99 brackets available. That number is going to go down too, because not all of those had been updated by the time that that Wisconsin game had been played. So what happens for the Badgers? They just wait and see now. But for a team that was in some people's brackets already on the outside looking in, Joe Lenardi has them already on the outside looking in right now, and it's not going to get any better for them. The important thing to remember, if you're a Wisconsin fan, or if you're any team that's one of the bubble teams in the Big Ten tournament right now, is that when your team loses, it is done going up. As far as bracket projections go, they are not going to jump other teams. Only teams are going to jump a team like Wisconsin now. Because say another bubble team loses here, It's going to be later in their conference tournament than what Wisconsin just lost to Ohio State on. It's going to be hard to justify putting in some of these teams or putting Wisconsin in over some of these teams that are still playing today, tomorrow, into the weekend. So a reminder that if you're a bubble team, it becomes obvious once you lose. But if you haven't lost yet, reminder, if you lose in this Big Ten tournament, your stock is done going up. It can only go down. Teams can only jump you teams can only steal bids from those smaller conferences. It's going to be really, really interesting to see if Wisconsin can squeeze its way in there, but it didn't give itself any sort of an argument there with that loss. Losing to Ohio State in this game is a tough one to take because while the Buckeyes have been playing a whole lot better as of late, that's still a really, really bad loss to take as your last loss going into Selection Sunday. So we'll see what happens with Wisconsin, but if you ask me, That loss costs them the NCAA tournament. We'll see what ends up happening again when it comes to the weekend. And maybe just about all the other bubble teams do end up stumbling. But again, in my book, Wisconsin is on the outside looking in. Because there's enough teams, I mean, in the Big Ten alone, if you ask me, who will be able to jump the Badgers and would be more deserving of that bid. A tough way to end the season for Wisconsin if that is the way that it ends in the NIT Again, we will see what happens. The other game yesterday involved two teams that weren't going to be making the NCAA tournament anyway. But an upset nonetheless. Minnesota takes care of Nebraska. A tournament win for them, 78-75, to the final score. It was a great game by Minnesota, who all of a sudden has strung a couple of wins, wins together here right at the end of the season. But, of course, the Gophers aren't going to the NCAA tournament unless they win the whole thing. Nebraska wasn't going to either. But now it marks possibly the end of a season for the Cornhuskers. I don't know what their chances would be at actually making the NIT and stuff like that. They could play in the NIT. I don't know if they would take a bid to the NIT. I don't know what they would do if they had like a CBI bid going. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know entirely the situation with Nebraska. So maybe they're a shoe in an NIT bid and I'm just not up to date on that tournament. But the point is Nebraska should be happy with its season. It should have gotten this win, to be honest. Uh, Minnesota did not play in the way that it had before to be able to get its wins last week. But it just was not a game that you felt like Nebraska was supposed to lose with the way that they had been playing this season. And Minnesota pulls off the upset. They're going to have the right to move on and play here on Thursday. So uh, a good win for Minnesota. I don't have a whole lot of notes uh, aside from the fact that Nebraska really did overachieve. I mean, for this team to finish where it did, given what it was supposed to do, which was really only when a couple of more Big Ten games than Minnesota did. Minnesota finished 2 and 17 in the Big Ten, it wasn't 2 and 18 because it didn't play Michigan State, but Nebraska finished 9 and 11 in a spot where I was expecting more like 4 and 16, 5 and 15. For that team to be a game away from being 500 in the Big Ten, that's a remarkable improvement over what was the expectation for Nebraska. And they should be holding their heads high because they overachieved, but also overachieved in kind of the way that you want to, by getting better over the course of a season. That team was, at the end of the year, on its best game. Won six of the last eight going into the tournament. This loss does not take away from their season. It does bring them back down to an even 500 with his tough, but a good, good season for Nebraska basketball, despite the fact that Fred Hoiberg's team does get knocked out in the first round yet again. Let's look at everything that happened in basketball coming up. We're going to talk to John Garcia Jr. on the latest quarterback commit to the Purdue Boilermakers. New coaching staff, new quarterback coming in from the transfer portal for Purdue. So what does this new class of 2024 guy say about how that new staff is viewing the quarterback position? We'll get into all of the specifics about this guy and just quarterbacks at Purdue as of late in general with John here in just a minute on Locked On Big Ten. Before we do that, though, the midway point of the NBA season has come and gone, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money lines to spreads, points, scoring lines, props, anything you really want, and, of course, the Big Ten Tournament and the NCAA Tournament you can put your money in on as well. Anything that you could ever want to bet on and the chance to not have to risk anything for it. With your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Thanks for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about the college basketball scene in one place. Plus hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get into things with John Garcia Jr. I talked to him yesterday about the latest football commit coming to the Big Ten. A quarterback, a four-star quarterback at that, headed to Purdue. Not the first one that the Boilermakers have had. They've had some success recruiting at that position. We'll see if it can translate to some more wins and a more sustainable program under a new head coach. My thoughts and John's thoughts here on Locked On Big Ten. You're tuned into Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the conference every day of the week, including on the recruiting side. And when recruiting stuff happens, we get John Garcia Jr. in here to go over it with us. The Purdue Boilermakers getting a big get at the quarterback position. Marcus Davila, Marcos Davila, apologies there. It's a four-star quarterback out of Texas. We've seen Purdue nab a couple of four-star QBs over the last few years, but this is a bit of a new trend, them getting up to this next level under center. What do you know about this guy in particular coming out of, of course, the biggest football state in the country?
1: Yeah, it's just churning out quarterbacks uh, in the state of Texas. Uh, Look, Marcos is a guy who is really on the ascent. Two-year starter at, at Midland Legacy, one of the bigger uh, more notable programs uh, in the state of Texas, if you watch Friday Night Lights, one of the schools that Permian played against, so obviously an all-eyes-on-me type of school that, that shuts down for Friday Night Football, and with that spotlight, Marcos has ran with it. Uh, as a sophomore, really broke out 2,000-yard season, nearly 3,000, and then as a junior, really took it to the next level, uh, increased just about every facet: completion percentage, more yards, more touchdowns, uh, more running production on top of it as well. So, uh, a big physical quarterback, but really his calling card is right along with what you would expect at Purdue with Graham Harrell. You know, at the controls, it's it's spread, it's timing, it's anticipation and accuracy. Uh, and at six three over over two hundred and ten pounds, he's got the physicality to to touch anywhere on the field as needed, but when you watch his Friday night tape, Nate, it is very much timing-based, so he's already doing a lot of the elements that you would expect to see him do at the Power 5 level, and and this presents as a really nice get, Uh, not only uh, a big-time, you know, blue-chip-type quarterback out of the state of Texas, but he was committed to TCU until the other day, so took the visit uh, to West Lafayette and really enjoyed his time there, family came alongside, and that combination of of Graham Harrell, the other assistant coaches, and and even the the overall feel of that new staff was something he said he already felt at home with, so much so that he pulled the trigger despite having planned visits to other programs. I think Miami, Colorado, a couple other schools were supposed to host him this month, but obviously saw enough on that trip to sort of wrap up his recruitment. Uh, And I think that's obviously saying a lot for, for Walters and Graham Harrell, all the coaches there, at Purdue, it feels it feels new and different there offensively. And I think grabbing Hudson Card in the portal and now Marcos Davila uh, from a high school perspective, I think you start to, to, to stack your room uh, from a quarterbacking standpoint. And I think that's about as ideal as it gets in, in this day and age of quarterback movement and fluidity. So individually, this is a big get, but in the grand scheme, it feels even bigger for Purdue from a timing standpoint. So obviously I'm, I'm a big fan of this move.
0: You mentioned the fit with Purdue in particular, a new coaching staff, obviously, over there in West Lafayette. What should Boilermakers fans be expecting to in the same kind of vein in getting this guy as the first quarterback on the roster under this new staff? What should Boilermakers fans expect to see as far as how this passing game will look different than under, when, under Jeff Brom?
1: Yeah, well, certainly, uh, obviously, it was, it was wide open. I would say a little bit more vertical uh, under Braum. I think under Harrell, it will be a little bit more West Coast-ish, but still very much air raid and spread uh, where, where timing uh, and, and chunks are going to be the goal more so than pushing it down the field maybe as much. Uh, of course, there will be uh, some push and pull there as well, but really it's about timing and getting the ball out quickly. And I think what has made so many of these air raid offenses so successful with maybe – less talent up front and even on the outside in some cases is that element of quickness and speed. Not only do you snap the ball quickly, but you're getting it out quickly. So if you are a bit overmatched up front or you're dealing with the natural hurdles that come with overhauling an entire roster, like this staff is you can help win in between the margins offensively because the ball's coming out so quickly where you don't allow anybody to get uh, into some sort of rhythm or or to track you and and find out your uh, tendencies uh, thereafter. So if the ball is getting out quickly with a guy like Hudson card, who's also athletic, I think you can expect a whole lot on his shoulders in particular, which I think is part of the reason why this was such a great fit on both ends of of the portal and and QB spectrum. So yeah, I think the air rate helps you, you know, live in the margins i mean look at mike leach at washington state even at mississippi state and some of these other air raid concepts that have um, helped to turn things around quickly at different schools that's what you expect if the trigger man has it figured out then you could sort of live with lesser talent elsewhere offensively because of the system so it's really important to to hit that mark first and it looks like purdue is doing that uh, not only right now but, but into the future
0: Purdue only gets a handful of four-star recruits in each class, but over the last few years, I mean, you talked about Hudson Card, too, so in the transfer portal as well. Over the past few years, one of those guys in the handful, it seems like, has pretty consistently been a quarterback. We've talked plenty about how this team likes to air the ball out. That's attractive. But what is it about Purdue that's making it such an increasingly desirable place for gunslingers and people to go?
1: Well, you're you're starting to branch out more. You know, when you land a Hudson car, when you land a Marcos Tavilla in in this from from Texas, you're you're putting a Purdue flag somewhere where it hasn't necessarily flown consistently, uh, and that stuff matters. You know, if you're going to utilize a position to stretch your recruiting footprint, quarterback is 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 a one row one area one to utilize because it's the most marketable position, the most marketable players, and, and that's when. When you bring in a Graham Harrell, those are the kind of boxes you expect to get checked sooner rather than later. Uh, and I think with that in mind, this is happening maybe quicker than I realized or I would have expected at Purdue because obviously they, they hadn't even had a spring game just yet. And we're already seeing tangible success in the state of Texas at the most important position in sports. So uh, that will signal the, the, the Purdue colors, I think, elsewhere. Uh, in the state of Texas and beyond. So stretching beyond the conventional Big Ten footprint, I think, is a really big deal for a school like Purdue because, look, you're you're in the same state as, as perennial powers and you're in a conference where you're never going to be able to lock down most of the local talent, even hyper-local talent at times. So you've got to get creative. So whether it's geography or scheme, and in this case it's both, you've got to stretch your footprint a little bit and, and try to make some inroads elsewhere. And it looks like that those steps have already been taken. They're tangibly taken at Purdue. So I think that's a huge deal.
0: Do you think that quarterbacks recruits are looking at Purdue and seeing it now as an opportunity to be able to become an NFL quarterback? Because while Purdue's had good quarterbacks and Purdue has had good passing numbers, it hasn't exactly translated to that next level success yet with the guys that they've gone through.
1: Yeah, I think Aiden O'Connell's a part of this conversation too, right? Uh, he just had a good showing there at the combine. He's going to get selected at some point yeah. in this draft, so it kind of all works together. Uh, and I think the, the profile with Card will only elevate some of those expectations. And yeah, quarterbacks are obviously already buying into that trajectory under this staff and with Harrell in particular. It's it's just it's kind of all encompassing when you've got a coordinator who who played it who you you can go. Google and look into, um, I mean, not for you and me, but for a recruit, you got to go look into maybe some YouTube on on what he did there at Texas Tech. Uh, And it gives you cachet in that state, which is so important. But I think even just as a coach, he's kind of built his own reputation separate uh, from his playing days. Uh, And he even, you know, touched the NFL at times, of course. All of that creates so much benefit of the doubt, even for coaching staff like Purdue's that's under transition and is trying to overhaul Uh, what was, you know, frankly, an overachieving type of of roster uh, under uh, previously. So, you know, I think now that there's precedent at that position, it could start to branch out, particularly offensively uh, from a recruiting standpoint. Defensively, you know, with Ryan Waters, Walters, you've got such precedent already on that side of the ball that really the question the moment he was hired was how can he balance that with an offense that's more attractive. Um, and then that's exactly what he's done with Harold and, and some of the earlier recruiting returns we've seen since. So I think across the board, Purdue feels like it's a bit elevated, at least from a recruiting standpoint, um, with, with everything else still uh, in
0: front of it. Well, you mentioned Marcos Devello impressed enough to be able to cancel the rest of the visits. And right, well, I think he may still make those visits. But the point is, he makes the commitment and chooses the Boilermakers over everybody else. Big Ten's supposed to be running conference, but if Purdue's doing what they're doing. Wisconsin's going to start throwing the ball all over the place, apparently, too. Who knows what will end up happening? That's the future of college sports, though. John Garcia, Jr. here with us to talk recruiting whenever we need him. Thank you again, John, for joining us for a few minutes. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to John Garcia, Jr. for joining the show. We're going to wrap things up on Locked On Big Ten by giving you all the Big Ten news from around the country. Let's start with an update on bracketology. BracketMatrix.com is the site we go to, which compiles 99, in this case, different updated brackets and lets you know where all the Big Ten teams and everybody else stand across those brackets. An average seeding, it spits out after calculating all those 99 brackets. For example, Purdue's average seed at the top of the Big Ten is a 1.4. Experts pretty much divided on whether the Boilermakers are going to get a 1 or a 2 seed. Averages on IU is at a 4.1, Michigan State's at a 6.8, Northwestern 6.9, Iowa 7.9, Maryland 8.1, and Illinois 8.2. Rutgers is back on the bubble. They appear in 78 of 99 brackets. Penn State appears in more brackets now, 89 out of 99 brackets after their win over the weekend. Wisconsin, as I mentioned earlier, appears in just 45 of 99 brackets, and that number is sure to go down after everyone else updates after yesterday's loss. And Michigan appears in just two of 99 brackets. That's going to, of course, mean a lot for Michigan and Rutgers as they lead off the four Big Ten tournament games today. It'll be Michigan against Rutgers, then Ohio State, Iowa, then Penn State, Illinois, and then Minnesota and Maryland for the right to face off against one of the top four seeds who start their tournament play tomorrow. Only other thing on the Big Ten schedule for the day is in women's lacrosse, an official Big Ten game, Michigan against Ohio State. They'll renew their rivalry. And as far as players of the week, we've got a whole bunch of them on a Thursday. In women's tennis, Michigan's Julia Fliegner is your athlete of the week. In men's tennis, Nebraska's William Gleason takes home the honors. In women's golf, Iowa's Riley Lewis is the golfer of the week. And women's gymnastics, Michigan's Gabby Wilson and Michigan State's Nikki Smith share co-gymnast of the week honors. Also, season awards, finalists have been announced for men's hockey. Big Ten is a little bit unique in hockey here. Like in basketball, you just get like named Player of the Year in the Big Ten if you're one of those guys, not really finalists being announced. But we do have finalists for this sport. Player of the Year finalists are Michigan's Luke Hughes, Minnesota's Matthew Knees, and Notre Dame's Ryan Bischel. And Coach of the Year nominees, Michigan State's Adam Nightingale, Minnesota's Bob Motsko, and OSU's Steve Rolick. Let's look at everything going on around the Big Ten here today. Thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, that'll do it here for Locked On Big Ten. We've got more coming up, of course, tomorrow and throughout the weekend as we get into the NCAA tournament. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. All sorts of big games today. I'll be back with recaps of that and everything else next time here on Locked On Big Ten. Follow along along the show wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube and on Twitter too. It's Locked On Big Ten 0 the end. I'm Nate Dickinson at Nate with Sports. I'll talk to you soon.